When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is February, and as many of you know, this is Black History Month. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of celebrations, a lot of discussions, a lot of commemorating prominent black leaders throughout American history. People like Booker T. Washington, Martin Luther King Jr., the list goes on and on. Certainly the first black president, Barack Obama, someone who has not, though, gotten all that much attention so far, at least not in a positive light, are any of the great American icons who have pretended to be black. And there's really only one in recent history that I'm aware of. We'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, But I have invited to join me in studio for a few minutes uh, my colleague at WABC in New York, someone who is genuinely certified as black, uh, the one and only Dominic Carter. Hey, Dominic. Certified. 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 (laughs) Uh, You got your certificate and everything. (laughs) How are you? I'm well. I'm well. How was the weekend? uh, Great. Great, uh, okay. you know, uh, fun playing with my son in the snow. Nothing, right. nothing better than that. But right. um, and he got a haircut. He's pretty well behaved, which was which was good news from my perspective. Want to ask you about uh, Rachel Dolezal? But you caught my attention as your show was uh, wrapping up on WABC in New York because we are airing right now on uh, WCCO in Minneapolis. A, a really disturbing story involving multiple police officers shot in yes. Minnesota. Just because we have developed quite a listener there in a relatively short amount of time. Give us the latest. What's happening with that story? A very sad situation. Two police officers dead, unfortunately, and a paramedic. And so our regards go out to the people of Minneapolis uh, right now. The officers were responding, Frank, to a domestic uh, abuse call about a man who had barricaded himself inside his home with his family. A number of uh, family members inside. And when police arrived, it was determined that the man had multiple firearms inside with the officers at the scene describing him as dangerous, and he refused uh, to come out. That's according to the Star Tribune report, the local newspaper there. After about four hours of negotiations with the man, gunfire erupted, and the two officers dropped, with uh, one being hit while inside the home. When the paramedic tried to approach to rescue them, the paramedic was also gunned down. And about an hour after that, another shot was heard from inside the home. It was learned that the suspect had taken his own life. And uh, according to authorities, there was a caller from inside stating that, quote, dad is down. And so this started overnight. And dispatchers said at about 6.55 a.m., 
Uh, the man was not breathing. He was in the uh, bedroom and he had just shot himself in the head and he was confirmed dead at 8 a.m. But we have two police officers dead. Uh, absolutely awful. And I know it gets repeated a lot and it's almost become a cliche, but I don't think you can repeat it often enough that there really is no such thing as a routine day in the workday of any police officer. And that's why I support them so much. They leave home, they leave their families and they have no idea what they're about to encounter. Right. Now that's one thing, right? You recognize when you put on that uniform, there's a chance you might not come home. That being said, when you're a paramedic, I think you have a reasonable expectation you're not going to be shot at and murdered right. uh, that way. That is, if possible, even more tragic. But things are becoming so badly, frankly, because of these far-left politicians, that even paramedics around America are being stabbed in the back of units. Uh, you've had some cases in New York City, other places, literally life-threatening situations where paramedics are being stabbed and attacked by mentally deranged people. Ugh, uh, uh, unbelievable. If anyone is in the Minneapolis area and wants to uh, give their take on what we're observing, and obviously if there's any more news on this situation, I'll bring it to you over the course of the next few hours. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Uh, coming up, by the way, just in a few minutes, broadcasting legend Richard Bay is going to be here. He'll take your calls. We'll uh, talk about a whole bunch of issues regarding the news of the day, political stuff, cultural stuff, lifestyle stuff, all sorts of stuff. He'll be here in a few minutes. On a much lighter note, though, Dominic, before I let you go, a lot of people are going to remember the name Rachel Dolezal, but even if they don't remember the name, they'll remember the story from about nine years ago. This was someone who was the head of the NAACP, who we then learned was identifying as black despite having two white parents. Now, this was before pick-your-own-gender became a big thing, uh, <laughs> where you could just be female just by saying you're female. And I wonder how this story would have been viewed had it came out in the year 2024 rather than 2015. Well, now, uh, she now goes by the name Nikechi Diallo, uh, formerly known as Rachel Dolezal, she has lost a teaching job that I didn't even know she had in Arizona because she had an OnlyFans page. Uh, the district said her posts are contrary to our district's use of social media by district employees. Now she's saying a lot of folks have reached out to her. How can I help? How can I help? And we are seeing that she's directing people to go by her artwork. Give me your thoughts on A, Rachel Dolezal to begin with, B, the idea of all these people that uh, are disgraced and losing their job, then uh, being able to kind of monetize this somehow. I'm thinking of George Santos with his cameo. Right, right. And uh, three, this rash of teachers, because this is just the latest in a long line, of teachers who are going and opening these OnlyFans accounts. Well, she was the uh, she was the president of the Spokane, Washington NAACP, so a local chapter. And apparently, she's a white woman, but she completely identified as black. Frank, I know a lot of white people that identify as black, a lot, a lot. And I I don't understand why do we ridicule people if if you want to be transgender, be transgender. If you want to be he, she, it, 
go for it. In Rachel's case, a white woman that identified solely with the black community, right? I know a lot. I know quite a few white presidents of state chapters or local chapters of NAACPs that totally identify with the black cause. Okay. Now there's a difference. They identify with the cause. They didn't pretend to be African-American. Apparently she did. I feel sorry for her. I really do. Because we have a, we have this thing in society of mocking people. Now you cannot have her in a classroom with kids with a what is it only I think OnlyFans. Oh, OnlyFans. On. Okay, so she had on her lingerie. Okay, which woman does not have lingerie? I mean, come on, let, let's cut the nonsense, right? But but she ended up going on welfare when she lost her job. I believe it was at the University of Washington or Washington <laughs> State. She was a college professor. She lost everything, and what was her crime? Because she identified as a black woman. Now, I guess. When does identifying become impersonating? You see what I'm saying? Because uh, because apparently the claim was that there's got to be something wrong from a psychological standpoint mm-hmm. with her to fake, literally, because her mother came out and said she's not black. She's white. You know, so I guess it becomes a psychological issue. But, Frank, if you want to identify, if you came in here, I would never see this happen. If you came in cross-dressed tomorrow and you said you're you're Francine, I would say, okay, Francine, that's just who I am, you know? Yeah, obviously when it comes to gender, you have different issues when it comes to competitive sports and when it comes to prisons, men being lo- – biological men being locked up in uh, in prison with, uh, with women. And then obviously the whole locker room and school situation has maybe gotten a, a little bit out of hand. But I agree. I mean if somebody wants to be, um, you know, Elliot instead of Jane, or why Dominique not? Dominique instead Dominique, of Dominique. I like it. And so, you know, with her OnlyFans <laughs> account, right, she needed the money. Folks, life is not a joke. You've got to be able to support yourself. She was earning $18 an hour as a, uh, I believe, an elementary or nursery school type teacher. She couldn't, that didn't cut it for her bills. And so she turned to her OnlyFans account. I mean, it is what it is, Frank. But I mean, okay, she can't be in a classroom with kids doing advertising that but if a grown woman want this is just my personal beliefs if a grown woman wants to have a only fans account agreed and men are willing or whoever's willing to not just men whoever's willing to pay monthly whatever to see whatever she i don't see anything wrong with that as long as you're not violating any laws if people want to comment they certainly can 800-848-9222-800-848-9222 uh it's been great talking with dominic carter Wait, you, well, well what's her name one more time now well her her original <laughs> name apparently was rachel dolezal the name she's been using which she said she changed because people when she would apply for a job would just see the name rachel dolezal and then not hire her for something is Nikechi Diallo. So explain this to me, Frank, and I, I know you're going to throw me out of here now. What woman does not have sexy lingerie? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, some of the ones that I dated when I was a single guy maybe were a little lacking in the sexy lingerie department, but uh, I would agree. Many many women do. I guess the difference is, is taking money to pose in them. Okay, but Frank, if you can't make ends meet financially, uh, agreed, agreed, I, and and if you happen to have a, a nice body, and and as long as you don't have any quote shame in your game, then you know. Well, so a lot of people might say this didn't interfere with what she was doing as a teacher. Why can't did? she keep doing it? Because that's different. Uh-huh. You're you're in a you're in a classroom setting with children, and I don't think that's appropriate. 
for children because it points to character. I support you being able to have the right to do it. If you want to pose online, semi-nude or with your lingerie on for, for men or women, or women, whoever it turns you on, that's fine. But if you're in a classroom setting with young children, that's something completely different. All right, Doesn't Dominic, I sure, I'm sure you have a long day of President's Day celebrations ahead of you. I'm going to we'll go let put you on go. my lingerie now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> let folks know where they can find you on OnlyFans. Dominic Carter. Uh, Richard Bay is here. We're going to chat with him in uh, just a few minutes. If you want to call in, you can certainly do so. 800-848-9222. Quite a bit happening in the news uh, nationally, internationally, culturally, lifestyle-wise. We'll get into it with Richard in just a bit. And if you want to email me, uh, you can do so. We'll try and read some of your emails on air a bit later. My email is uh, frank.morano at redapplepodcastnetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redapplepodcastnetworks.com. I I find myself agreeing with Dominic. You know, in terms of you probably can't keep her as a teacher when someone is doing this kind of thing. I just think it's, you know, clearly um, it's relatively harmless. There's no victim here. But um, now what's interesting to me is she's directing everybody to buy her art. And as I alluded to with George Santos, George Santos made more money in a week doing cameo videos than he did in a year in Congress. And that would only happen because he left Congress in disgrace. I think the only reason people are buying these uh, Rachel Dolezal pieces of art is because she was infamous, right? So you're at the, we're at the point in society, and this has gone on for a while now, that you're almost better off if you're going to be disgraced be disgraced in a manner in which a lot of people know your name and in which it pays to be well-known no matter what the story is for. If you're doing something that's not illegal, and again, I know that's sort of a gray area or to be determined when it comes to Santos, but if you're doing something that's not illegal, you want to get as much attention as possible because – and again, I'm not sure what that says for society, but because – Then you'll be able to sell videos on Cameo. You'll be able to sell artwork. By the way, there's some controversy over the artwork itself, uh, some accusations of plagiarism. I'd love to invite her on this show. I'm going to try and get her – I'm going to try and get a a note to her or something and see if we can't get her on the program uh, to talk about this whole situation. I find the whole thing fascinating. Why did she pretend to be black originally? Why didn't why not just kind of come clear, come clean with what she was doing? And then knowing all these other stories of teachers who have been caught doing these OnlyFans pages, why have an OnlyFans account? And, you know, she posts it's not, you know, it's not just lingerie. She posts this is how she built it creative content and gave fans a more intimate look into her life for a $10 a month subscription fee. So, and on that account, the OnlyFans account, it did include the name uh, Rachel Dolezal. It was not her pseudonym. So, all right, uh, Richard Bay will join us in a few minutes. Moisha, what's on your mind? Moisha? Okay, well, uh, go ahead, Moisha, go ahead. All right. Yeah. All right. Richard Bay is here anyway. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. 
The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. President's Day slash George Washington's birthday observe whatever you're celebrating. I'm celebrating because one of my all-time favorite people and one of my all-time favorite broadcasters has uh, made his way into the studio, kind enough to spend some time with us late at night or early in the morning, depending on your perspective. A guy who is a legend when it comes to television, radio, acting, you name it. Very pleased to welcome uh, veteran TV and radio talk show host Richard Bay, who has been hosting the Richard Bay Talk podcast, which I have just been loving. Richard, it's great to see you. And now for something completely different, <laughs> as they used to say on you, Monty Python. You know, one of the reasons I uh, used to so enjoy listening to you on the radio is because you're such a master of the craft of theater of the mind, right? It wasn't just uh, repeating left-wing talking points or right-wing talking points or arguing callers. You would do like a, I, and I try to emulate this kind of a a full service radio show. You'd do Dick and Dad go to the movies where you'd review movies. You'd have Bay the Barbarian, uh, which <laughs> sounded like Michael Savage only more serious, <laughs> right. and um, all sorts of fun stuff like that. I know. I don't and know the how, songs, well, uh, the song parodies were and my I'd favorite. Sing them live. But, uh, there, um, there yeah. is nobody that does that. Anywhere in talk radio these days. And I'm not talking left wing, right wing. Nobody that does it. What's gone on in talk radio and maybe just talk media in general these last two decades since you were on the air regularly that nobody does that? Well, as is often the case with with mass media anyway, it's calcified. Mm. Something works and then so somebody copies it and then somebody copies that. It's a Xerox. (laughs) It's a Xerox process. I mean, so you had this astounding success of Rush Limbaugh, and then you had other people, you know, doing Rush Limbaugh over and over and over again. And uh, you have your science of P1 topics. Only talk about the topics that get people angry and upset because then they'll keep listening. And on television, it's been, uh, I mean, I, I feel the same way about, let's say, daytime talk shows. Oh, same. Yeah, right. For a while, it was always. It was the same thing. How, Maury Povich, how many times can you right. do? You are the father. You're not the father. Right. You're not That's the it. father. That's the whole show. I, I, my show was I played different characters. It was different. I mean, it was crazy, silly, pies in the face, the wheel of torture. I tried to get the audience involved in things, you know. Uh, but we did so many different kinds of genres and talk. I mean, I mean where I'm sitting now in Magda's house and I, the TV's on and I'm going, are you... It's from one phony to the next. Mm. The smiles on TV. It looks like these people have been, you know, given happy pills <laughs> before they go on 
on the air. When I would listen to you, though, even though you were on a conservative station and you didn't necessarily tell the party line on a whole host of issues, not the least of which was the uh, war in Iraq, I would hear a lot of conservatives listen to you on a regular basis, and you did really well with conservatives and every every really political persuasion. My question, though, is now I hear so often uh, conservatives and left-wingers who will listen to a show or watch a show, and then when someone deviates just a centimeter exactly. from their orthodoxy, they <laughs> said, oh, I'm not listening to him anymore. I, I don't need to hear that. I don't listen to this station to hear that. How were you able to do that, and why don't more people do that now? It was a different time. Mm-hmm. We've calcified in this country. You're either on... Uh, you know, the, the people are talking about civil war now, and they're not talking about it as a joke. There's the movie coming out, mm. Civil War. Have you seen the trailer? I did. For that? I, did. I did. I mean, in this country, you. I mean, uh, at this point, what a country we live in. I mean, you have to be on one side or the other. It's true on, on the left as well. There are things if you devi- the, uh, deviate on the left, people will come down on you. But. Uh, uh, it, it's just this division that we have. And you say in the old days, we didn't ha- necessarily have that. Those are the old days. Right. We're living in a, in a different time frame now, in a different political time frame. One of the things was that I was critical of Bill Clinton. Right. Uh, I was critical. I thought, ha, 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 isn't this uh, nostalgic? At the time, I thought character counts. When you did that song parody, and I wish they were available somewhere. I would buy, you know, buy buy them if they were available for download. The uh, William Clinton Goodbye. Oh, I right. found your version <laughs> of William Clinton Goodbye actually catchier than Toot Toot Tootsie Goodbye, which was the original song. William Clinton Goodbye. I forget the rest of it. And how <laughs> On about... Air Force One, you must fly. Right, right. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's how much I, I remember. I haven't heard it in 24 <laughs> years, and that's how catchy it was. And I think whenever you can do a parody that's uh, more memorable than the source material, you've done, you've done something right. Hey, I uh, want to pick your brain on a few different items in terms of the news of the day, but... Uh, as a cultural critic, I am curious. We're in the Oscar race now. You had the British um, Academy Awards yesterday. You had the People's Bastard. Choice Awards cool. yesterday. Yeah. Um, Oppenheimer, big winner. Sweeps everything. How do, yeah. do you think that's going to do well with the Oscars this year, too? Yeah. 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 I loved I would, it. What do you think? Say, yeah. I, I loved it, too. I was surprised at its box office success because it's a difficult it's movie. Right. And it's a difficult movie to follow. I mean, I didn't figure out, huh? Why is it black and white now? Why is it color now? What is really <laughs> happening? And then I read some of the reviews and they said, I thought I saw a different movie. Some of the reviews that were critical of it said, they didn't show the people who who suffered radiation at Hiroshima. Wait a second. I thought that was in the movie. Did I see something different? Didn't they show? Didn't they have a bunch of yeah, clips? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And then they said... You know, the people were all celebrating, you know, when they dropped the atom bomb on Nag- and the war was over. And I saw, but, but there was a point of view shot from Oppenheimer where the people started to look like monsters. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very balanced. And from, again, maybe I'm, I'm no expert in the history, but I thought the history was very sound uh, based on what I could yeah, tell. And the thing with the, when, when he walked in to see Truman and... <laughs> Tried to talk to him about the dangers of nuclear proliferation, and Truman just said, "Get that man yeah, out of here!" I, no, and I, I thought never it was want phenomenal. To see him again. Speaking of movies that go black and white color, black and white color. Did you see Maestro? Yeah, yeah. What'd yeah, you think? Yeah. I thought it was. Um, 
Carrie Mulligan's story. Yeah, Carrie no, no, Mulligan. She was terrific, movie. and she moved me. I mean, I thought watching that, I found him to be a very selfish man. I thought he was great. I obviously, I thought the music was great. Yeah, I know he was a wonderful acting, but I, I thought the story as depicted in the film, was very lacking. I, I almost Except found it Except for Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, no, I, I thought her performance was great. I was, was great. so moved by her. And when she said it, what did she say? She said uh, something, the most important thing in life is kindness. Mm. As she's dying of cancer. Yeah, no, I thought she was great. I thought it could have been a half hour shorter and a little bit more of a, a punchier. I thought they could have showed some more interesting aspects of their shared life together. But, but you know what? one thing about the movie that I think is this, is that... When you have a, a genius in any field, whether it's Picasso, who was a real jerk, you know, to the people around him, the women especially, um, when you have a genius who is totally, uh, maniacally almost, obsessively focused on their artistic creation, um, they're 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 really flawed as human beings. Yeah. You know? Whenever Rachel is complaining about something that I'm not doing, I always <laughs> tell her these are the perils of living with a genius. And uh, she never it doesn't do anything to assuage her anger. Whenever I bring that up, oddly enough, right. um, what was that? Speaking of, uh, you mentioned the Civil War and people not bringing it up as a joke. You mentioned a film on your podcast a few weeks ago about a 21st century Civil War. And it, you, you said it was kind of better than it's the one that everyone Bushwick. was talking about. Bushwick. That was Bushwick. It. And I wouldn't say it's better. It's a low-budget movie, but it is so much fun to watch. The concept is the Texas National Guard invades Brooklyn, and they have helicopters, and they're shooting people on the sub. They go into the subway, and all of a sudden they're seeing all these dead people in the sub. It's amazing how they shot this movie in Bushwick, on real locations. That's pretty cool. There's no CGI. And it's, um, but by the end of the movie, the part that I really loved is that the Hasidim, the Puerto Ricans, the gays, the, li- the, the liberal kids, they've all, somehow, they all have uh, guns and they've gone out and they're fighting the Texas National Guard. Yeah, I got to put that on my list. There was a film that came out, I guess now it's more than 25 years ago. It's never on TV. It was called The Second Civil War with James Earl Jones, James Coburn, Dan Hedaya, Phil Hartman as the president. And it, I found it so predictive of uh, where we are today because basically you have one state that chooses to institute its own immigration policies. They right. don't want to take any refugees and then cable news essentially ramps up this civil war but for some reason i would think these days you'd see it on it all the time you never see it anymore um uh, by the way if people are just tuning in richard bay is here uh, you could uh, find him on the youtube he uh, does a lot of interesting stuff on there you could just search richard bay talk hit the subscribe button you'll get his videos whenever he makes one this is the first time you've been in studio since uh, obviously october 7th um oh, what a week for news uh, huh? that that is for oh sure. Oh my God! That's, That's another thing. Yeah, it's like you know, you 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 can't get away. Soon, there's once the the Biden story with the Robert Hur is is. Like ancient history. Well, so let me let, let me let's go through these one at a time if we can. And by the way, if people want to talk to Richard Bay, we'll take as many of your calls as we can here. 800-848-9222. eight four eight ninety two twenty two. 
Biden seems to be getting it on all sides, right? So the right is critical of him for um, doing what they perceive to be being too cozy with Iran and getting Iran this money, which they said. But they didn't get the money. uh, Right. Well, you know the criticism from the right when it comes to Biden. Uh, right also critical for trying to uh, you know slow down what Netanyahu was doing in some respects the left also pretty critical right. of Biden for being a little bit too willing to give Israel weapons and oh, money for weapons uh, Rashida Tlaib is telling people yeah, to vote exactly. against Biden so uh, really he is getting it as i said on all angles how do you see the whole situation in the middle east and Biden's handling of it specifically i i th- I, frankly, I think he's been really good. I mean, when this thing began, I thought Israel has a right to defend itself. And the fact that they were, you know, bombing in, in the beginning. Do you know how many civilians were killed in Germany by allied bombing, uh, you know, before we invaded Germany? I'm going to say hundreds of thousands. 500,000. Wow. And they were women, children. They were all. And you know what? We didn't care about that at all. We just wanted on condition unconditional surrender and that's the other thing is that you know it could have those a good portion of those lives could have been saved if uh, let's himmler or somebody had stepped out and said i'm taking over which he tried to do at Mm -hmm. the very actually himmler met with a represent people don't know this and i keep thinking this would make a great theater piece or a movie um himmler had a um, um masseur who was Swedish and a doctor. He was some kind of Dr. Masur. And he had connection with the, um, um, uh, what is it? The United, the world Jewish Congress, mm-hmm. WJC. And they, and Himmler put out a feel, feeler and he said, you know, you could see the war was going to only end one way. And a representative from the world Jewish Congress flew into Tempelhof airport with all the Nazi banners hanging uh, got into a, a, a limo with Nazi flags, um, drove to a, a conference hall and sat down with Himmler to negotiate um, saving Jews from concentration. They actually did save 6,000 in Czechoslovakia. But Himmler said to this guy, and he just remained, he didn't reply. He said, you know, I, I really had nothing against the Jews. It, <laughs> it was nothing personal. It was just a political thing. And But I think that, isn't that an incredible story? I never knew that. That's incredible. And, uh, absolutely incredible. Yeah. But uh, so as far as Biden's handling of this. Oh, right. It's, right. It's, Sorry it's the, to digress. No, no, I, I, I'm for a digression like that. the situation has changed. Biden has changed. Mm-hmm. I think, yes, there should be some sort of plan to be concerned about uh, civilian casualties at this point. Uh, and obviously you have the people on the other side that say if uh, Hamas wanted to you know, end this right. bombardment, you'd release the hostages and stop the rockets. The same thing. You know what they should do? They should say we'll, stop, we'll, we'll leave. You know what? I remember what Arafat did? Arafat had a flotilla and he was cornered. I believe it was it was it in Lebanon. But, you know, they had him cornered. They were massacring people. There were people killed in Lebanon, too, during that whole thing in the Shatila um, uh, Palestinian refugee camps and stuff. But Arafat um, took all of his fighters and they sailed away to another country where they could find refuge. And if Hamas really cared about civilian casualties, they could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They could say, we want safe passage to, I don't know, to Iran. 
Right, would Qatar. Say. Qatar would be happy yeah. to have them. And yeah. th- right. And then, you know, so you could save the lives of these. Uh, you could save their lives, but you'd save the If they really cared about the lives of the hostages, just as Germany, you, you remember when the Soviets came into Germany, they had 14, 15-year-old kids with Lugers running <laughs> around the streets shooting at, 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 at uh, tanks. It was, it was suicidal. Same thing with Hamas. These people are um, fanatics. It's, uh, I don't think you're going to get an argument from anybody wherever they fall on, uh, on that end of the equation. When it comes, since you mentioned President Biden and the her report, sure. a lot of people have been focusing on the uh, issue of his mental infirmity. What do or, you, no, alleged. Alleged, right, <laughs> as, as described by Robert right, Hur. Right. Give me your overall thoughts on w- what Robert Hur came up with with this report. Listen, you know, the, 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 the really uh, um, disgusting dig was to talk about his son's death. You know, my father, I was so close to my father, and I love my father, and I started to think, all right, I know the year my father, I don't know the, I, I had to really think for like, I don't know, five minutes or so to really understand what month did he die? What season did he die? I remember the day specifically because I took, I, at that morning I had taken Kyle and a friend to go see Mr. Megorium's Magic Emporium, and it was the story, Dustin Hoffman played a man who had lived for 250 years and decided it was time to die. Mm. And that was the movie. And I always thought Dustin Hoffman looked like my father. He had that, you know, big nose. Oh, I could definitely and, see that. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, so I remember that day vividly, but I couldn't tell you, you know, what month it was in or you know, I know the year because I remember the tombstone. You know? So you think it was unfair? Yeah, I think it was unfair. I think it was unfair. I think he thought it should have stuck with the factual information. Um, And yes, there is one particular damning incident, which is uh, Biden telling uh, his, uh, you know, his uh, ghost Ghost rider that, uh, oh, you know, we can look at these, but the classified documents are downstairs. So he, yes, he did know. It does appear that he knew that there were classified documents downstairs, uh, downstairs that he was in possession of. But he completely cooperated with everybody once this whole thing started. But Do you think Biden at this point will be the nominee? There's every day I hear different scenarios of him coming off the ticket and yeah. being replaced with someone. At this point, yeah, how do you I see I watched Mercanish today, too. I know he's one Yeah, of I, absolutely. Smir- I, I, miss, I was out snow, uh, uh, shoveling snow yesterday Record or Saturday. I, you know what? I'm afraid to start recording because then uh, I'm afraid the little time that I have, I'll just watch TV yeah, all, all I the know. time. I but I, so I, I only got to see a bit of it. But um, where do you come down on whether or not Biden will be the nominee? I think they're both going to be the nominees. Trump Biden I, again. I think we're sitting around just um, what's a phrase I can use on talk radio? <laughs> but uh, you know, it would be, it's a, a masturbatory political thing, and it's also fun to think about. Who else? Well, right. it's like fantasy baseball. It, right? We, you know, it's never going to be Kamala Harris. Is it going to be Gavin Newsom? Which is what I would think, and which, and to tell you the truth, I would prefer. But my opinion is, if it comes down to the two of them, I always say Hindenburg over Hitler. <laughs> uh, you know, the old man who is not the, the, the general that he used to be over Hitler. Uh, talking about Trump, he got dealt quite a blow on uh, Friday with That's this right. $355 million judgment. 
irrespective of what you might think of Trump, because I know you're you're right. not a fan, a lot of people tend to exaggerate the price of their properties. And unlike, say, a Madoff situation where there were easily identifiable victims that you could point to, it becomes a much harder thing to point specifically to a specific person. What do you make of that judgment of $355 million? Well, first of all, I think some some of the misunderstanding goes to this. It was a disgorgement. It wasn't restitution. It wasn't a fine. I mean, I heard Smirkanish today, and Smirkanish is a smart guy. He knows better. Why wasn't it $10 million or $15 million? Well, it wasn't that because the law specifies this law, this state law that we have here specifies disgorgement of funds received under fraud. What do you think about um, 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 drug dealers? Uh, you know, when they're after they're arrested, what does the government do? It takes their Ferraris. Mm-hmm. It takes their mansions. It takes their yachts because these were uh, uh, these were assets that they acquired um, through uh, activity that was either illegal or was uh, you know or it was illegal. And and under the statute, I mean, the judge had to. He couldn't fine him. He could if he had done that he wouldn't he wouldn't have been complying with the law. The law concerns disgorgement. When when people got arrested for three cod monte in Times Square and the and the judge and the police confiscate the money from them, do you think they should just say, "Oh, here you got these through this illegal activity"? Do you want to have it back? I guess that you know. And again, I'm sure you've heard this metaphor a hundred times. If if I've heard it fifty, right? Which is. What banks would usually not take your word for what you think a property is worth. Why wouldn't the banks get their own independent appraisal of the properties that Trump or the Trump organization was exaggerating? Well, pass a new law. The statute mm-hmm. that we have now, if you believe in the law, the law states that um, exaggerating your assets, and this was a gross exaggeration. He had an apartment that... In, in Trump Tower, that was ten thousand dollars, and he said it was thirty ten thousand square feet. He said it was thirty three thousand. He said Mar-a-Lago. I don't know what all the fuss is about. He says Mar-a-Lago is worth seven hundred and twenty nine million dollars. All he has to do is sell Mar-a-Lago, and he'll have four hundred million <laughs> left over. You know, but we all know Mar-a-Lago isn't worth seven hundred and twenty. It's not taxed at seven. And and the, this whole thing started with Michael Cohn before the Senate committee under oath saying he would have one set of books for the IRS and one set of books for uh, the banks when he was trying to secure um, loans from and having um, and having his assets set up as collateral. You cannot do that. It's a lot of money to uh, come up with in in thirty days. It even is, if he gets but a that's bond. a different matter. That's for sure. It's not. It wasn't. <laughs> His money. Uh, They're not taking his money. They're taking money that was acquired through fraudulent activity. The other story involving Trump that got a lot of attention Thursday and Friday is the situation in Fulton County, Georgia. Oh, boy, right? is that With something. With the Fonnie Fani Willis <laughs> testifying. Watch and, the whole thing. Uh, so give me your take on the whole Nathan Wade, Fonnie Willis relationship, special prosecutor. I have no 
idea, and I'm tr- really trying to censor my my yeah, own, we appreciate that, my own adjectives me. because I got in trouble <laughs> once on this show for using a phrase that is used <clears throat> by politicians on the air constantly now. In fact, one of them, I would see it, I couldn't believe this. He was a Republican, and he called Trump an can I say a hole? Uh, well, yeah. Okay. So you just okay. said, yeah. There you but go. He, but fine. he used the, the yeah. And I went, what on television? On you know, yeah. on network the, television. There seems to be different rules for me than there are uh, for other other politicians. <laughs> All right, but wait a second. What, what was the question? Georgia, Fulton County, just, Fonnie just Wells, like Fannie Wells. What was the question yeah, exactly, again? <laughs> exactly. Um, I thought she was terrific, and I also thought, I mean, what a first of all, I in terms of this situation. I have no idea what this has to do with the facts of the uh, prosecution against Trump. I mean, there is to me, there's no relationship to it. It's it's a, it's an end run. It's a backdoor. Well, I, mean, I guess you know the the part of the issue is one: if Nathan Wade was dishonest under oath about when their relationship began, can you trust yeah. him? And to, is there proof of that? Well, no. I mean, he admitted under oath that initially he said under oath that their relationship began oh, in his divorce after it was pointed, proceeding. and then now he's saying under oath that oh no no actually it began three years before that. So if someone's going to commit no, perjury, no, it wasn't three years before. Well, twenty nineteen. Well, well, listen, then go get him disbarred. Mm-hmm. Go get him charged with perjury. Um, you know, but there's there's that's a, that, that too. How is that related to the facts of the case in the prosecution of these people? But this and I, you know, uh, people get upset if you say this to me. This was a, uh, a, a, a an articulate, proud, uh, forceful black woman who had seven, what were there, seven lawyers there who were up against her? One guy was on, even on Zoom going after her. And to me, it was like watching an action movie where the hero has some, it's John Wick. Here, he comes in from this side, he comes in from that side, he comes (laughs) in from this side. And this whole idea online, even on your side, people were criticizing her. They said, oh, she's... She doesn't have the intellect of a third grader because she didn't know whether Aruba qualified uh, as a um, uh, connected to the South American continent or the North America. I mean, I had to look it up. Yeah, I wouldn't know that one either. So, um, in short, you think both she and Wade should be able to continue to prosecute this case? I think they should be continue to prosecute this case, and I don't think there is any evidence, any evidence in this that I saw in that courtroom. I mean, there's that one woman who got fired from the team and now says, oh, I know. How does she know they had? And this whole idea with the guy, uh, one of the uh, um, lawyers said, um, so when did this romantic relationship end and she or begin or end or begin? Who knows? And I think it's so, so ridiculous. And she said, you mean a sexual relationship? He goes, no, I mean a romantic election, a relationship. You know, like holding hands. And she said, I'm not a hand holder. <laughs> she's, she's not that tight. She's a really strong, articulate woman. She's got, she got her JD at Emory. She got her BA at Howard, both schools. Her father, I thought, you know, even though he had started out as a Black Panther, but he's argued cases at, at The Hague in front of the uh, oh, no, no international joke. court. Absolutely. He is a, he was, worked with Nelson Mandela was in South, he is a, he was an incredible 
figure. Can you, I, can, yeah, uh, can you stick around a few more minutes? When I ask a few you more about, minutes? Yeah, well, stay as long as you want. I'll stay till daybreak. Beautiful. All right, Richard Bay is here. We're going to pick your brain about uh, not only this, but John Stewart's return and a whole bunch of other things okay. in a minute. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Until the top of the hour, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, uh, joined by, in studio, did by the pick, one and only Richard Bay. Did you pick Cool Jerk no. as a commentary <laughs> on me? I take no blame for the music today. Uh, we're a little shorthanded, so I figured, now, let me not give Tony and Matt one more uh, chore and uh, just play whatever you want. So the, all yeah. of the music selections you hear are Tony Tony Atwood's. I know, but I love phone calls. I love a one right, well, I love to go, like Fanny Willis. She, did you, you didn't see it, obviously. You were probably sleeping. I was asleep. Sound asleep. Uh, you didn't see her running into the courtroom and she said, you know, something like, darn right, I'm going to testify. And she went up there and it, it was just, and I, I heard a commentator, this is not my original idea. You know, one of the witnesses they called was the former governor of Georgia. Um, his name escapes me at the moment, but he was a guy who had an accent like uh, John Kennedy from Louisiana. Oh, I love that crazy <laughs> accent. I love it. <laughs> well, I tell you, you know. So he came in, and all of the lawyers were treated him with such deference and respect, and were like, uh, "Oh, you know." I, I, he goes. I, one one lawyer said, "I was on a, the other side of a case when you came in." And he goes, "And I beat you on that case." <laughs> yeah, but I beat you at the Supreme Court, and. They just, when it was over, I heard this black law professor say, he said, what you just saw was the um, the white Southern boy, good old boy network at work there. And they're all ganged up together to go against, fa- there is no black Southern, Southern, I won't say boy, but Southern uh, network, uh, you know, of lawyers. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're still kind of, not an anomaly, and there's more than than we've ever seen before. But um, you know, it's it's not like he said this has been going on, you know, for a hundred years. This old boy Southern network, and the woman who started this case, uh, you know, the you know the blonde woman who's representing what is his name Roman, and she's the one that initiated the first case based upon this right. alleged affair. She well, had, it's not alleged anymore. Now well, right no, now, it's it, fair. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's alleged as to when it started. Right, right. Um, you're right, but they did hold hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she, when he, when uh, when um, Deal was running for, um, um, when when he was running for a judgeship, you know, her boyfriend was running for a judgeship. She campaign. She made a campaign commercial for him, telling everybody how qualified he was and what a great person he was and how he should become a judge. 
She, I'm surprised. I haven't seen it anywhere on the air, but I have read that she supported him, endorsed him, and made a commercial for him. That's uh, a great point. I, I, I hadn't seen that anywhere else either as well. 800-848-9222. Before we get to calls, two other things I want to ask you about. One, uh, John Stewart just came back as the Monday host of the, the Daily Show. They got the highest ratings they've gotten since 2018. I asked O'Reilly the same question I'm going to ask you. How do you think this is going to work out? Uh, sometimes you can't go home again. Sometimes comebacks don't work out. Sometimes you're not as good as what people remember you as being. Sometimes the times change, and it's just different. And How do sometimes you, see this? you lose your edge. <clears throat> How do you see this working out for The Daily Show and for Jon Stewart? Oh, well, I think it's a good thing. It's better than having fill-in hosts do it every week. And Jon Stewart, um, I think what, what's even more interesting is he said he was fired from Apple because uh, Apple TV because they didn't want him saying anything. Uh, that would, you know, that would uh, endanger Apple's sort of problems with the government in terms of regulation and mm-hmm. everything else. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, listen, I'm not going to be tuning in. I'm a real news junkie, as you know. I got, a, I got, I got the Wall Street Journal on Saturday. I got the New York Times on Sunday. I've got Sling TV. Well, some of the criticism I've seen of Stewart, and I don't really, I didn't really watch John Stewart when he was on, but some yeah. of the criticism that I've seen of Stewart is that he was taking shots at both sides, and a lot of folks feel that that's a false equivalency that you shouldn't be doing that. I think that's kind of what's been missing in late night uh, talk is there's nobody like a Johnny Carson that makes fun of everybody. Maybe John Stewart is the guy that can make fun of everybody with some credibility. Yeah, well, I will say this. He's no Greg Gutford. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get the whole Gutfeld thing. Don't get me started Gutfeld, on that. Yeah. Hey, I know you went to uh, Yale. Yale is now apologizing for its connections to slavery. They've also issued a historical study and announced steps to address this legacy, including new support for public education in New Haven. Mm. Uh, as someone that went to Yale, what are you going to be doing to apologize for slavery, uh, Richard? <laughs> Well, I, what, what are they going to do to address the anti-Semitism that kept Jews out of Yale? Are they going to uh, now accept every Jew that applies? You know? uh, th- that's a great, <laughs> great, great place to start, I would think. I right? mean, the whole thing about I, – I happen to believe in diversity. I happen to believe in inclusion. I happen to believe in uh, having uh, an inclusive workplace. I believe in all those things. I do not believe in re- – that somebody who's alive now – uh, you and know, apologize for your stuff hundreds right, of years right. ago. I'll tell you this: even even uh, Jews had got rep- reparations for the Holocaust. Do I think they're great grandchildren or great great grandchildren? Crazy. Crazy. Uh, Richard Bay is going to stick around. We'll continue. Keep asking questions.